Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Varney and... Weekly winner, Mike and Eglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it. I was going to say something else, but I just want to know what you won, Mike. An inconsequential fantasy football game against Keith. Not yet, bitch. Not yet. (laughs) And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which Mike and I discuss ourselves, fantasy football, Broadway, and occasionally David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we will be discussing Season 7, Episode 5, Neighboring Species. Uh, how's it going, Mike? I Apparently, how it's going is a little, you know, cocky on the one-yard line. Well... Yes, save an incredible defensive performance this evening. Uh, because Keith and I play in a insane league with like it's IDP and it's got thirty seven bench spots and it's a fantasy seventeen football. hour. It's yes, it's a lot of fantasy football. It's uh, nice to control one another because we generally find ourselves middle to low of the pack overall in this league. Although I did finish third once, I think. Anyway, long story Which, short, what I I am. I am so embarrassed about how I'm doing in this league. Uh, also, why I can't get myself to focus. Uh, because if you can see behind me, you see, you see right there, those mm-hmm. are all first place fantasy football trophies. Those are yeah. all previous seasons where I have won the whole thing. And I have not been good in my own league uh, for years. But, uh, you know, just before you get too excited, Mike... Because first of all, I would have already beaten all but one other teams in the league this week. I, mean, uh, I had a good, I had a good week. What can I say? So, but but here's the thing. I've I I did the math right here. I have on on my notes. Here's okay. what, here you, are what some do we need to see happen? Okay, for the read through of of uh, of the show I'm working on. But I need twenty four point two six points. Now that's very unrealistic for a defensive player. But what I need eight tackles. Three uh, or six assisted tackles. Okay. Two of those tackles need to be for a loss. And then all I need is a pick six from 50 yards away. And that gets me 26 points. And okay. I only need 24. So uh, it is unrealistic, but not inconceivable. So, uh, so you're saying stay there's a chance. Next week. Stay tuned next week, uh, where I will either be gloating in a very obnoxious fashion or not mention it at all. So, uh, <laughs> well, how's Keith, the rest if, it's of any, life? if it's any consolation, um, and I'm sure that it is, I decided hmm. this week to podcast with pants on. So I put on a nice pair, one of my only hmm. nicer pair of 
uh, baby blue shorts, uh, oh. khaki shorts, and I just promptly poured an entire pot of coffee directly <laughs> on them. Uh, okay. And since I've already paused the show about 12 times today to take mm. a phone call and to make the coffee, yeah, I yeah, uh, yeah. now have to sit in my own filth as penance. Sit and uh, think about what you did. Well, that yeah. uh, that that makes sense. That makes sense. How uh, how was your week otherwise? Uh, week is good. I'm I'm catching up. I don't know if we mentioned on the show last week. I'm going to Spain for two weeks to sing. Yes. Uh, so that's with, exciting. Uh, with uh, with Schmerzy Schmoys or something else? Yes, yeah, still Schmerzy Schmoys. Although this is our tribute act, so it's not actually. It's only a little bit of Schmerzy Boys and. A lot of like other stuff like Queen and uh, Bon Jovi and lots of like Jersey stuff. So oh. it's actually a little more fun. Uh, and uh, any anyway, point of the story is, is I'm trying to like uh, justify being gone from work for two weeks by like front loading projects. And by front loading, I mean doing. Right, right. That's just a fancy word for doing your job. Yeah. So anyway, that plus. Uh, other stuff is 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 happening, but it's good. It's good news. It's uh, it's, things are fine. How are you? How are things on on your end of the world? They're pretty good. Uh, we've been enjoying uh the slightly cooler weather here mm-hmm. as the fall begins. We're recording this on October fourth, and uh, what that has allowed us to do is finally set up our ping pong room, <whistles> i.e., our garage. Which uh, in the summer is too hot because we it's not hooked up to the uh, to the air, and in the winter it can be a little chilly. But in the fall and spring, uh, it can be a dedicated ping pong room, which is pretty cool. We got it all set up. We've been playing every night. I uh, I set up a, a projector to project uh, over the over the the game so that I can you know keep an eye on uh, Monday night football while we play ping pong. It's uh, it's pretty fun. And by I, we, I really it's, like. it's just you and your wife. Yes, yeah, just just me and Jillian. Uh, but I tell you what, she's like a secret little ping pong prodigy, because uh, we started this in the pandemic. Uh, hopefully, my uh, my in laws are not listening because we definitely co opted when we were uh, quarantining in their place in Cape May. We uh, we we might have taken the the cover off of their fancy dining room table and made a makeshift ping pong. Uh, table on the on their table uh but uh the thing is jillian had never really played and all of a sudden like she can play like legitimately mm. and and so it's actually getting really fun um so that's gonna be uh, a thing that we're going to enjoy throughout the fall and uh i know i know you speak uh speak well of your ping pong prowess which i'm looking forward to uh you know I'm out of practice. The test. i'm out of practice so i not a, not a lot of promises we also did some fall things uh you know, it's interesting. New York City, things, uh, memories I've loved about New York City. I will say that the the spring is wonderful in New York City. The summer can be nice, but it's generally miserable. The winter can be mm-hmm. pleasant in New York City at times. Uh, it's beautiful yeah. in the park and stuff. It, but there's not a lot of fall that happens in New York City. Fall, if, New York City's not known for its fall particularly. I mean, there are some things. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like a highlight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, However, here in the Chester County region of Pennsylvania, and I'm sure up by you, the fall is the thing. The leaves oh, yeah. are one thing. The fall festivities are, are incredible. We went to uh, Peddler's Village this past uh, Saturday, and there was a scarecrow competition, and we've got a whole bunch of like hay rides and stuff planned out. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a to a nice fall. 
No, I, it's I fall is my favorite season for a lot of different reasons. I would be um, right there with you. And uh, my actually up at my parents' house up in Vermont. I mean, the foliage up in the woods is un, is astounding. Um, and my mm, uh, my mm-hmm. uncle actually just took some drone footage of uh, my parents' property. I'll send it to you. You'll you'll be impressed by the tech. Uh, nice. But it was like, oh my god. So here, most of the trees on our street are poplar, so they don't have great. Uh, uh, you know, seasonal foliage stuff. But I planted a red maple in our backyard, which, uh, when it's time to turn, is going to be beautiful. Super excited about it. Uh, okay, you know what we should do? We should move forward with the show. Uh, we should it's been nice keep, to catch because up, though. I, I like being right about things. And often, oh. often we're tongue-in-cheek about a lot of things. But I do know that there are people that do listen to the show who aren't super fans who listen up to the minute, who are way back in the way back machine. Mm-hmm. And finally, they have begun, and by they I mean one, uh, to, <laughs> to contact us. <laughs> ensuring that fact we are factually correct in saying that there are people still watching and catching up from behind. So the podcast will live on when we are... When we are still plebeians and William Chatner has been to space and back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll be long dead before we get 10 viewers. Yes. But, However, uh, yeah, the YouTube will never work. But at least people are listening to the podcast, which That's makes true. a lot more sense. That's true. Should, should we hear from them in a, in a particular segment, you think? Um, I think that would be a great idea, and we should do it uh, very quickly. Like, how about right now? That was a great professional transition. Yeah. Also, really why well. am I in a football again? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> no idea. Well, first off, let us hear from uh, two of our most loyal listeners, our moderator, Phoenix Cage, who uh, continues his conversation via the YouTubes and via us with our founding sponsor, Jorge Navoa. And uh, so Phoenix says, having Jorge and I take over hosting the podcast is a great idea. I think you had mentioned that last year, mm-hmm. last year, last episode. <laughs> that, this it is why. Free, this is why I made this suggestion. This is why, yes. It will free you guys up so that once the episodes aren't available <clears throat> on Hulu, <clears throat> you can supplement the audio with dramatic readings of the script while Jorge and I criticize your performance. I mean, do the documentary. Uh, yeah. That sounds sounds amazing. I actually, you know, I would much prefer that. Except that uh, there is precedent. You'll recall that there was a lost episode uh, of a crossover that we did a dramatic reading of, and it was objectively the worst mm-hmm. thing we've ever done. Oh, oh, for sure. Now, but to be fair, uh, we were improvising off of a third party recap on the internet. So yeah, which was uh, I, which was a great idea to begin with. And we didn't know the characters. We've never seen an episode of this show. So, it, it, look, we did we did our best. I like what I like about what just transpired. Longtime listeners will know Ooh. is that Keith will will decimate everything we've tried to do. I mean, he's realistic mm-hmm. in in calling out our sheer lack of professionalism, quality, and good ideas. However, the one shitty thing we really, really did, he'll defend. He'll die on that hill for us. Look, I'm not (laughs) defending it. I'm putting it in context. Okay. (laughs) 
I'm putting it in context. <sighs> anyway. Why are you guys a good uh, partnership? Uh, because we both equally hate ourselves. I think that, oh. that really is what... <laughs> Well, I don't think that's it's not good for partnership, but it yeah. is the foundation on which the genre of podcasting is based. Yeah, that's a good point. It's I the don't think podcasting of our, uh, existence. If, if our country had better mental health, there would be no podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's just one of those things. Anyway, Jorge chimes in. Haha, sometimes uh, something tells me if Phoenix and I took over, the episodes would be six and a half hours long, no matter what. I think you are definitely right about that. It might be six and a half hours better than our two and a half hours, yeah, which are already six and a two half hours. hours too long. Yeah, well, but, ours uh, are like 80% cat, 15% <laughs> bullshit, and then 5% show. Yeah, yeah, that for sure. Uh, but we also heard from a new friend who you mentioned. We heard from Minakashi, who said, Hi, Keith and Mike. Uh, I started watching The Practice a few weeks ago and found your podcast. Hey. It has been fun to listen to, both in taking me back to when the pandemic started. Oh, fun. And all the craziness since then and almost 20 years ago with that crazy election, 9-11, etc. I am constantly amazed at how much you remember about your life back then. That's because we're really good liars. And we'll just make it up if we don't mm-hmm. remember something. Uh... They continue, I am behind listening to the beginning of season six, but I just noticed that Hulu is saying the practice will leave in eight days. Do you know if it will be on another streaming service? No, but we're hoping. I I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be transferred eventually um, because it's kind of free money for the streamers. Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to know. Yeah. Uh, continues, thanks. Hopefully I will be back on track when you do Boston Legal. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Well, we have to cover Boston Legal in some fashion. I don't know if it's going to be for uh, two and a half hour episodes, but you know, we'll see. I think I'll say this, Keith, uh, not Mm. that we've ever been ashamed of uh, highlighting times we've, uh, reached outside the boundaries of proper uh, technological etiquette, but I will say that. If one were to look via the Google mm-hmm. machines okay. for copies of episodes... In a hypothetical sense. Yes, copies of episodes that were taken from the Hulu... Uh, borrowed. To, to borrowed to preserve their pristine formatting instead of mm-hmm. their di- pristine digital format rather than have to bootleg VHS copies, mm-hmm. you could probably find them. I see. I see. So in a hypothetical world, there will be options to mm-hmm. those of you, us, who, uh, you know, have the uh, the means and the interest. And that said, uh, we will be the better podcast in this and keep an eye out should the practice, I set a Google alert, should it announce that it's moving to a new streaming platform, uh, mm-hmm. we will let you know when and where you can uh, check it out there. No, for sure. For sure. And hopefully it will. And hopefully... Uh, I, I think somebody said on, uh, Instagram, I, I, I should, I never looked up, looked these things before the episodes, but there, there is a dream. There is a dream that they are remastering the series, um, because it was all shot on film. So much like a lot of, you know, 
many, many shows now that were shot on film back in the 80s and 90s. They're going back to the film, remastering everything, and releasing it in full high def in the whole series. So you see Seinfeld did that. Star Trek did that. Um, even Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman did that. Uh, it's on HBO now. So in, it, maybe... It could- it could be that Hulu is just doing that because what I find most interesting is that very recently, David E. Kelly chose to release his latest show on Hulu, uh, mm-hmm. The Nine Perfect Strangers or Nine Total Strangers, something like that. I only could get through a first, the first few, didn't love it, but not the point. So he's clearly got a good relationship with Hulu, uh, but he also released a, a few things on HBO recently. So I guess it could move, over, it could go anywhere, really. It, it, it could, and I think that... Uh, what we're finding is that the shows that weren't special effect heavy, like Star Trek, it's much more possible to do because you don't have a lot of manipulation of the footage that you have to do. And, you know, one of the reasons that uh, they haven't done Deep Space Nine and Voyager was, is it was so expensive because all of the optical effects, the the special effects were the CG, whatever, was done on videotape after it had been transferred off of the 35 millimeter film so that they're worthless in terms of remastering. So they have to be meticulously recreated um, again in high definition. You can't use what was there before, but for a show like The Practice, you know, there's no like monsters running around. So you can pretty much, if you have the original footage, just, you know, cut it, master it and be done. So, uh, Hope springs eternal. Uh, let's uh, let's hope that happens. And uh, if somebody were to find out, hey, you know what? HBO's got it. Netflix has got it. Amazon Prime's got it. Uh, and they wanted to let us know, hey, you know what? This is how you can get sued by a new company. Mike, how would they do it? Hey, go on to your email. Put in the two field, outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Subject mm-hmm. line, you guys rock. And then write us an well, email. I, I don't think that's necessary. You can well, subject line whatever you want. Guys, I'm feeling needy. You don't needy. have to lie to us. You feeling don't have to needy. lie. I'm feeling needy. <laughs> Just tell me I'm pretty. Guys, uh, Mike needs some positive reinforcement. So uh, everybody do me a favor and send Mike some positive reinforcement on you all can of also, our platforms. You uh, can also hit us up. Uh, unfortunately, you can't do it today because believe it or not, Facebook and Instagram are down. Uh, Are they really? Yeah, they were as of like 10 minutes ago because, you know, they're uh, imploding internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but should they come back up, which I'm sure they will because we're not that lucky, hit us up at Out of Practice on uh, at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook mm-hmm. or Instagram. Check out all of the cool photoshopping Keith does. And hey, while you're at it, uh, go on the YouTubes, click subscribe, click the notification mm-hmm. bell uh, to watch this show or our other Star Trek show, which... Uh, gets viewers and uh that's what you can do folks yeah all right well you know what we can do what can we do we we can hop back in the time machine because mm-hmm. it's finally time to talk about uh not necessarily the practice but at least the era in which it aired specifically uh november 3rd the year 2002 and uh answer everybody's eternal question mike what were you doing this day in the basement well, Keith, I did some searching, and uh, mm. I know that I have it somewhere, and I just couldn't find it, um, which sucks because I know I can find it, but we'll get there. Uh, this was around the time, this fall was the, uh, and I know because I'm wearing a sweatshirt, a hoodie, 
um, that I had my first professional headshot done. Huh? Um, photographer who is still taking headshots, uh, uh, Sharin Tanati Photography. Um, and they were all black and white because the standard at that point was black and white lithograph. Oh, yes. And I was able to find a pre-photoshopped outtake from the shoot. I have hard copies of the headshot somewhere, so I will mm -hmm. find it and show mm -hmm. it at some point. But I do know that this was from that shoot. I'm almost positive. Oh, yes. Uh, and it's not great. <laughs> but it's in color, too, because it was before... Um, I believe we must have been shooting. No, I know we shot these in. So this might not be from that shoot, actually, but it was. It's nearby because I know that. Um, oh yes, I know that. Uh, I've I've seen what the the final version of this. I know they were shot in film, and this is a definitely a digital shot. So I'm confused. Maybe I don't know, but this is a this is what it basically boiled down to. This was the time period. This was this at least mm -hmm. was a picture taken around that time period. So. Uh, you know, headshots are a weird thing, especially your first go at them, because uh, oh, yeah. it's a stranger, you just spent a lot of money you don't have, and mm -hmm. at that time at least, and now it's different, because you, you got digital cameras, you shoot 400 pictures, you walk out of there with like enough pictures right, to do everything. A trillion everything pictures. Yeah. Right, right, right. Back then it didn't work that way. You didn't get to keep the negatives, and you had to like look through them in a certain way, and then uh, like little like pictures of the negatives, right? And right, then right, with pick, a little like optical glass dealy. Yeah. And then pick three pictures that they reproduce and then you pay another money for them to like retouch them and then uh mm -hmm. that's it. That's your picture. That is you in the professional acting world for the next probably 3-4 years. Yeah. Uh, you get one swing at it. So uh it was You got to take them to reproductions. Remember having to like yep. go to reproductions? Oh, if you were fancy. If you were fancy, you'd send them away to some place in Kalamazoo, Michigan, like me, and for like oh. half the price of reproductions, get like cardstock versions. Or when you got real broke and you were lucky enough to scan your headshot, you'd then just start printing it directly on the back of your head of your resume with your inkjet printer. So uh, that's oh, yeah. when it, it got bad. That's the, oh, and that no. shit happened well, quite often. It's it's fascinating. Or it's probably not fascinating. It makes perfect sense that this is your basement this week because uh, planning for your trip to Spain, I'm actually a little bit ahead in my prep. And next week is my first headshot. Hey, my first awesome. professional headshot. So uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's it's changed a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll talk about it next week. But like, yeah, the uncomfortable experience of someone jamming a camera in your face for two hours for the first time in your life was, uh, it was rough. And let me tell you, uh, I got a really bad headshot. It wasn't good. Yeah, but, my first uh, I, few weren't great, but I, I, we figured it out eventually. I've never had a good one once in my life. And by this point, I stopped taking them professionally maybe 15 years ago, and I just shoot them myself now because I'm, Yeah, I've been you know, thinking about it. You know, it turns out I... Uh, I need to get some with like my actual hair color, but I just had to die for this gig. So I will come this sometime this winter have to put down the money because my headshot at this point is old. And uh, it's weird now because you're, you're now that the world is coming back in the theatrical realm, like you need a headshot, but it's it's expensive. And I'm wondering well, if it's I don't even think worth you it. Need to, I, I just do it yourself. I mean, yeah, you, you've just, got the camera. Yeah. I'm, I'm, or at least find somebody with like a digital 
like a DSLR full frame and just have somebody do it for on the cheap. It's, I just it don't even, go in for big. It doesn't enough even that, need to be a DSLR full frame. Look, you're never. It's never going to be bigger than this. Like yeah. this whole idea that it, you need to be like you know wrap it around a skyscraper and it, like uh, that's nonsense. Yeah, take out your freaking cell phone. It just needs to look like you. It's not like it was twenty years ago, Mike. Take it from Broadway Keith. <laughs> All you need is a, a crop shot of you and your Star Trek toys, and you're in, hey, baby. <laughs> look, uh, uh, Jillian got on Broadway with a headshot I took on our roof on my iPhone. So, boom really? to that. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Awesome. That's good to know. Yeah. Now so, it should be noted. You you're a pretty good photographer, though. That's not. That's no bullshit. You're. You are. You have. You are. Maybe an amateur, but you are pretty good at well, it. Well, yeah. I mean, I I take pictures, but like I'm not doing a lot of work with it. I'm like point the camera at the person, press go. It's like the, it's not you know you don't need to go to like college to like frame a decent headshot. Anyway, blah 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 blah. Anyway, let us move forward. We'll talk about my headshot next week, uh, which is going to be fun. So what I was doing. Now, this is uh, November 3rd of 2002. You know what was happening in November of 2002? The midterm elections. Mm. So I was uh, voting by mail. It's a fraud. Uh, Voting by mail in Vermont. And uh, so that was cool. Also, I got an email, because I'm going back in my old emails, from uh, one of my Eastman friends who had just been, uh, I mentioned, I think before, she was cast as the Mimi cover in Boz Lerman's La Boheme on Broadway, and she sent an email just this very day saying, I'm going on today. So so congratulations to Janina, um, who has gone on to have a a long career, and uh, about half of it on Broadway, so... Uh, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's very simple. That's sort of all I was doing on, uh, that very week. I think it's now time to, uh, zoom out a little bit and let's talk about... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Well, folks, we we're losing ourselves here with the uh, top hit Eminem's "Lose Yourself," uh, fantastic song from his uh, movie Eight Mile, which had just come out, and uh, so that was playing on our. It's a guitar cover of a rap song. That's interesting. Anyway, the local it's paper talked too. about. Candidates tangle in latest debate. Of course, it was the 2002 gubernatorial election. Howard Dean did not run. And uh, you know what? I think that's from last week. Whatever it was, that's what was happening. The top movie was Santa Claus 2. Which took in $29 million. Wow, Mike is doing the video edits on the fly. He's doing it live. Uh, I have to... I'm going to replay that because I just absolutely love this movie. Oh dear. The desanification process has begun! That's my favorite <laughs> My favorite part of the movie. <laughs> um, We're learning so much about Mike right now. You know, people have their opinions about uh, Tim Allen, okay? Sure. Um, but watch the Santa Claus 2 for that kid. He's like the el- head elf. And mm-hmm. he turns in an absolutely astonishing comedic performance. I just think he's so good. And uh, you know, this is why you know, uh, you know I don't want to get I don't want to get Keith on the soapbox now. 
again. I, there we I go. do I do miss a little bit the days when like actors and performers and like the stuff we saw on screen was outside of our politics. Like there wasn't social media, so I didn't know what Tim Allen's politics were. I didn't know. I like it, it didn't color everything. I didn't people weren't mad at Chris Pratt for being Mario because he was because of his what like we just went and we could suspend our disbelief. But that said, that's not the world we live in. So so be no, it. well, uh, you know, back in back in that day, Tim Allen was a Coke dealer. Uh, actually, I, I heard Tim Allen on uh, on Mark Marin. Yes. Even while he was doing Home Improvement? No, this is before Home Improvement. Yeah, this this, was... Santa Claus came out way after Home Improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, back when we didn't care about such things. Oh, okay, okay. I hear what you're saying. Ah, but uh, yeah, interesting guy. I heard him on Mark Marin. Um, interesting, interesting fellow. Anyway, let us move on to something far, far, far more important. Everybody's favorite segment... It's time, it's, time, it's, time. it's time for sports. The New York football giants beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 24-17 at Giants Stadium, evening their record to 4-4. Four four. Dickie Barber rushed for 101 yards, cut 62, and scored two touchdowns. Meanwhile, the Eagles beat the Bears 19-13 in Chicago to improve their record to 6-2. The game was played at Memorial Stadium in, Ch- in Champaign while Soldier Field was renovated for the season. Hmm. Uh, Soldier Field, which I believe that in Chicago people hate it, but I think that renovation of Soldier Field was stunning. I mm-hmm. love seeing games uh, from Chicago. I think it looks amazing. So it might not be as good in person, but on TV, the spaceship looks great. Okay, folks. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, we are talking about season seven, episode five, entitled Neighboring Species, which was written by David E. Kelly all by himself. David E. Kelly has clearly, I think Ali McBeal was probably done at this point. A better podcast would have looked up. Robert Downey Jr. almost saved Ali McBeal. Then, uh, because we cared at that point, got himself into some trouble and left, and then that pretty much foundered Ally McBeal, although he was so freaking good on it. Uh, so David E. Kelly has more time to be pumping out episodes of The Practice, which is why season seven is better than we all remember. It was directed by Dennis Smith, who uh, last directed Privilege, which leaves us with only one important thing to do. supposed to be what's your problem is this what happens to women when you insert your penis what 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 does mike think's gonna happen yeah what if he would have drank the curdled milk Mm. then what would have happened it's always a good Good question question. jimmy and i do not know keith you said that this season's been better and i would say until now because my pitch for this week hmm. is that you'll recall we threw a, a rock through a glass door last week and <clears throat> Lindsay got her own office. She's starting her mm-hmm. own practice. Well, I think this right. week we are zooming in and we are focusing on Lindsay's first case as an attorney, a new okay. 
a private practice attorney. And it's going to be some case revolving around, you ready for it? Someone suing the government because they believe something happened involving aliens. We are going full oh. alien abduction slash invasion something, and Lindsay has to go in on it. And we double down, and it is shark jumpy to the max. I don't know how, I don't have the specifics. Uh, I did, I used to have them, but I was abducted mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. aliens and they actually extracted them from my cerebellum. So, all I can say is, Lindsay, aliens. Wow. No, I, I, I like it. The only question is, uh, you definitely got the shark jumpy part. Where's the sexy part? Um, did you hear when I said Lindsay? <laughs> okay well can't can't argue with that all right folks then uh it is time for you to hop over to your podcasting service of choice to listen to us listen to this alien attack episode of the practice we will see you back here for the after show show season seven <laughs> 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 That's all we need to know. <laughs> Season seven, <laughs> episode five, Neighboring Species. I pick him up after Dr. Ash. It's my favorite episode. Bobby, look. I think it's a client. That hey! Could be my first client. Yeah, it could. Why else would she be sitting there? Do you oh, think look at that. Client? The client that. Proves Mike's theory right. Let's just need some aliens. Bend over. We must do some investigation. I don't. We see that's more of a robot than an alien, I guess. But it could be a robotic alien. I didn't really specify. Well, okay, fair enough. This is Carol Woods as Maxine Ship, who you would know from Parenthood, Third Watch, and. Uh, what is clearly the good wife, but as I do my notes very quickly, uh, she is credited in my notes as uh, being the star of The Food Wife. <laughs> Which is a different show entirely. Trust me. Uh, I think that's... Uh, I'm on board. Excuse me. You're here to see... Lindsay Dole, attorney at law, mother. That's me. How did you hear of me? Well, I came to see Pat McGee, but he's not here. And I saw the door, and I figured I'd just see whatever lawyer. But actually, I think I have heard of you. Aren't you the lady who shot somebody? I did. <laughs> but I beat it. Technicality. Come on in. Oh, that's very okay. reassuring. <laughs> um, yeah, she's honest. It wasn't a client you shot, right? No. It doesn't concern you. It concerns the firm, which concerns me, Eugene. What's going on? Tell him. A client came in last night. I took the case. Jimmy doesn't like it. The client does stem cell research. It's an abatement proceeding. What's the big deal? The big deal is it's a political hot button that this firm doesn't need. And I think it should have been discussed. Oh, Ripped on. from the don't headlines. Don't hide behind that. Why don't you just say it? You don't like the research. It isn't that. A political hot button? When have we ever shied away from a case? This office was born fair. before, Eleanor. Yes, by a client also that fair. we defended on murder charges. Does that mean we should shy away from all homicide cases? All right. Also fair. See, that conflict Eugene. made sense to me and was well articulated. 
Yeah, and it was well written that it should be Eleanor and Jimmy because they have their right. They've before shown yeah blah 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 blah. Mike talks, Mike talks, Mike talks. Words almost come out. We're not phoning it in, City folks. City rezones <laughs> basically put the center out of business. It's all <laughs> politics, and I guess now religion. It isn't that. Look. Hey, I got a gay mom, all right? We're all in agreement <laughs> that we face some public relations obstacles. We're still getting hate mail over Lindsay. Lindsay doesn't work here anymore. But people don't really know that. Come on, I'm not being unreasonable. This could explode in our faces, and I think we should have discussed it. There wasn't time. And with all due respect, Jimmy, last time I checked the door, you weren't listed as a partner. <whistles> Fine. And why not? We're doing it now o'clock. At this I'll point. Let you know. Come on. Three That's lawyers. a low blow. Yes, you want to come? That'll make three and a half. Hey, you know what, Jimmy? You provoked but that me. didn't make any sense. My only beef, I think the firm should have discussed it first. This is going to blow up in our faces. Now, folks, did you hear that? They clearly added that in afterwards because whoever, and no, no judgment, but whoever was dealing with that ADR... Uh, Definitely mix it at a different volume. We're gonna go back and listen to it real quick. Just listen to Jim the volume of Jimmy's voice mm -hmm. here. You provoked that. My only beef. I think the firm should have discussed it first. Now listen. This is gonna blow up in our faces. Yeah. That's a different it's mix mixed way down. Yeah. Which, which is interesting, uh, especially since it was clearly, I bet, written because they didn't have a good. Uh, what is called in the business a blow for the scene, which is the final tagline before you leave the scene. Uh, so apparently the blow did not blow up sufficiently. So uh, they made uh, Michael go into his ADR booth and uh, at that line, we speculate. We don't actually know. So Keith, in, in VLC, I don't know how to change the volume. You don't? No. Just click on it. I'm sure it'll come up. There's no volume down there. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll well, use a different well, program there it is. next time. Enjoy That's the uh, theme song. <laughs> loud singing? Well, I sing loud. I have a big diaphragm. Jesus Christ, my Savior, gave me a booming voice and a big heart, and I try to use both. Okay. I know the feeling. And your neighbor, is there... Bad boy. No, he's a nice man. He just doesn't care for my singing, which is his right. I know it's a free country to each his own. But in the spirit of that freedom, I Thank should be that. able to sing, right? Well, if he's bringing a nuisance action, he's basically saying that you're interfering with the quiet enjoyment of his home. Oh, that's wee. He's a loud man himself. He doesn't enjoy anything quiet. You should hear him watching the Patriots. That's my goal, by the way. To one day sing the national anthem at a Patriots game. Boo. Okay. Uh, well, there's a. I, I'd, like, I'd just like to point out in this show, which took place in 2002. Is Tom Brady still slinging it right back then? The the starting quarterback who had already won a Super Bowl was Tom Brady, who just <laughs> beat the Patriots in Foxborough last night. It's a doink. Bong, 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 bong. You're scheduled for two o'clock. Let's see how we do. Okay. So in case we I missed it here. I have a very here, good feel about you. And I'm sure we did. I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> the, the case here is this woman, uh, her neighbor is suing her for singing too loudly in her apartment, which is a thing I am astounded 
in 20 years living in an apartment in New York City with my voice, which, you know, uh, it ain't quiet. I have never had a neighbor complain. It is astounding to me that this was this never came up as an issue in my life. Uh, me neither, to be honest, though I have had neighbors comment, never complain. No, I, I have had neighbors neighbors comment, for sure, but it's always been generally positive. I think that's because, despite popular belief, we're not assholes. Like, I wouldn't be belting out at the top of my lungs at like 2.30 in the morning. I'm sure no, on occasion, is... but, but generally speaking, I try to keep it within respectable hours. That's true. That is true. You are one person. Thank you. Look, whenever a zoning ordinance is passed, somebody invariably gets put hey, out of business. Hey, he's back. Okay, not folks. We, uh, is that is a very familiar for... voice. And it is time to answer the question. Is he back a third time? Guy whose name I can never pronounce, but I love his work. Guys, it's Jelko Ivanik, and... Uh, He's playing the conservative representative of the state a third time on the show. But he is credited as three different conservative representatives uh -oh. of the Slow state. Jam. He was Matthew Davies, Attorney Sanders in the confession, and D.A. McGovern in the civil right and... Uh, whether or not you're basically playing the same character or not, if you're credited three different times, you get this. We're not supposed to notice match you've been on the show before. But after, after a Super, Super Bowl, Bowl gets started, you've come charging back for more. Charging back for so more. The scenery. First you were a judge who was a bit of a dick. Now you are a teacher who's a bit of a dick. In silence of the lands, you were a bit of a dick. In real life, I'm sure that you're a really nice guy. Welcome back to the practice tonight. I forgot. I couldn't. I, I didn't pick a pick a harmony. It was a big problem. Now, Keith, I'm. Was, I've. They made an executive decision to change programs here. Oh, have you? Yeah, so uh, I apologize to our listening audience who's just got to put up with me for just a second. This is the sound of a transition from VLC to, I don't know, uh, movie maker. But it <laughs> you know what? This is We're no longer uh, pimping out uh, products. This is the built-in uh, movie whatever on Windows. Oh, the Windows TV player. Yeah, or video I think player. we can uh, right. at least control the volume from this version. okay how exciting although i i can't hear anything need to control my volume mike no no it's now just now this this program hasn't been routed properly you've got to so you gotta route now, it mike has now stalled the entire uh podcast um but which Keith, uh, uh, we, we have a recurring segment called uh, Keith and Mike make it worse by trying to make it better. It's true. Now I'm trying to remember uh, how to do this. So I'm just uh, stalling here and trying to not only stall and talk in real time, but 
work and also <laughs> do and potentially find out the thing. <laughs> he invariably gets put out of business. Well done, sir. That well done. not an uncommon result. <laughs> not it phoning it in. Not phoning it in. To sprint off to court to enforce that ordinance. And the impact on my client is hardly incidental. That ordinance was passed for the express purpose of closing the doors. Were you in the room, Mr. Young? I didn't have to be, Mr. Davies. The doors are as transparent as the motives. If Mr. Young is claiming the city lacks the authority to rezone districts. I am not claiming that. I am saying this ordinance was arbitrary. It was promulgated in bad faith. It is politics and contrary to what Mr. Dick. Jamie and We've her laptop. Counsel. We've seen this comedic I beat apologize. before. Young people using computers is funny. Honor, I call your attention to Blankenship versus Machalski, recently decided in 1957. <laughs> recently decided. The city of Palo Alto rezoned its permitted use zones for the purpose of closing down a pharmacy. The court struck down the ordinance as arbitrary and invalid. It's decidedly on point. I reiterate, every time a city zones or rezones, somebody claims foul. Are we to believe she's hardwired into an ethernet in the courtroom there? Because I don't know that Wi-Fi was really a thing in 2002 just yet. That's a good point. You know, maybe she has all of the uh, court rulings on a, like an Encarta CD-ROM. Oh, okay. That she's she decided to print it out. She brought her little printer with her. Got a little printer there. Don't you know, or she's, uh, she's using the phone line with a regular modem, so you can't call the court. They then dispatched Top Gun to get injunctive relief. The victim here is a facility that just happens to do stem cell research. Do you really mean to tell me they're not a target? Even if the ordinance was designed to impact the facility, and I make no such concession, I maintain the action was neither arbitrary nor capricious. I want to see the chairman of the zoning board in the witness chair. I beg your pardon? The motive of the board is very much in play here, Mr. Davies, and from where I sit, this ordinance smells like a dead, decaying rat. This is Susan Blumert back like as Judge room. Fox. If you're keeping track of 1957, it was on point. Yes, decidedly. We all heard. Never mind. Look, the good news is obviously the judge seems with us. The bad news by calling an evidentiary hearing, this thing is headed for a debate on the merits, which means you could be testified. Fine. Not so fine. Um, no offense. Guys, but in that's my all you need to know to recognize that voice. The incredibly important, profoundly talented performer you have just heard say fine. Guys, it is Star Trek Voyager's own Robert Picardo. Very, very exciting. Wearing a beard. This was filmed while Voyager, I believe, was still being filmed, so he's wearing a beard to make it less obvious who he is, but we know that Dr. Edmonds is played by this actor you might know from China Beach, Inner Space, Dickinson, The Orville, The Mentalist, Stargate, Atlantis, and SG-1. He was Coach Cutlip in The Wonder Years. He was also in the Fantastic Gremlins 2, and... Uh, on Broadway in Gemini and in the musical Gemini, the musical with none other than my wife Jillian. 
So welcome to the show, another Star Trek main cast member, the legendary Robert Picardo. Keith, I was so close to booking that myself. That's another story for another day. Oh, in uh, Philly. Gemini? Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, uh, you would have known us all earlier. Yeah. Uh, that would have been the second time I almost worked with your wife. So, mm. um... Oh, I had a point to make, but I talked about myself too much that I forgot the point. <laughs> that is the subtitle of the entire show. The, the, the Out of Practice Podcast. I had a point to make, to but I was talking passion. about myself too much. That. I forgot it. All the same, I need somebody. <laughs> Eugene, I have diabetes. Oh, wait, I remember. Mm. <laughs> diabetes? <laughs> Do you have diabetes on the uh, Star Trek Voyager? I was going to say, I, I don't have the metrics here. Can but I a hologram that- get diabetes? When you were listening, rattling off those those credits, you know, for someone generally, someone who is in one of the science fiction universes tends mm-hmm. to s- sort of stay out of the others, if not for a non compete, but for so as to not kind of get uh, pigeonholed into one tor- sort of genre mm-hmm. or genre. Uh, genre. He's he he went he was all over the place. Uh, you, you got the Orville, you got the SG One, you got he was all kind yeah. of across the uh, universes. No, for sure, and played like major characters on Stargate. Both my father and grandfather died of Alzheimer's. Don't worry about passion. Press is calling. Word's already out. Great. What, suddenly we're afraid of the media? Our Judge Fox is a registered Republican. Did we know that? So? So, given so the administration's him. policy against <sighs> stem cell research, she might not Just favor us bit. as much as we thought. Actually, President Bush very quietly shifted Just his Just his beliefs and everything he stands for, that's all. Not him. Which allows for private funding. <laughs> that's not exactly true. There's one other danger. This case hits all of the abortion buttons. Gee. And since Roe v. Wade is vulnerable, which Fox also knows, I'm concerned about Davies no, turning this into a referendum. In I'm sure they're the ones who tipped off the press. Well, Why is Roe versus you're... Wade vulnerable? Hello, have you glanced at the Supreme Court lately? Rehnquist, Scalia, Thomas, Kennedy, even Sandra Day O'Connor. This court could overturn Roe in the blink of an eye. Um, actually... Boy... We're that still is... having the same conversation! Well, and and if you're, if you're back in your time machine, um... And as as history repeats itself, that the Supreme Court was had never lost more credibility, uh, at least in contemporary times, than they did in Bush v. Gore until right very this right this very minute, where this conversation is happening almost verbatim again uh, as we uh, start uh, being nervous about what's coming down the road with some of these new folks. So Clarence Thomas is still there, but you know. Uh, interesting. That's not necessarily true. If you look at Planned Parenthood versus Casey decided in 92, you'll see Kennedy, O'Connor, and Souter all supported Roe. Wrong. We lose one justice, we lose Roe versus Wade. Look, you don't want to mm-hmm. get into Roe versus Wade. This case is much simpler than that. It deals with the authority of a zoning board, period, and that's where your focus is. Killing embryos is simple to you? Hey, Jimmy, do us a favor. Don't come at me. I don't like the hostility. Come on, hostility? guys. I can't comment on the merits of a case now? No, right, you can you comment as a lawyer. I'd even appreciate that. But I don't need you flapping your Catholic feathers. Eugene. Hey, you guys. Hey, if I ever said to you, stop flapping your black wings, you jump Jamie. out of the me do hey, that. Hey, let me tell you something. 
The fact that I don't like stem cell research, it goes to humanity, not religion. But since you bring it up, I don't apologize for being Catholic. And I'm sick and tired of you and everyone else declaring war on Catholicism just because- I declared war on yes, anything. you have. Because of a few bad priests. Yes, you have, and I'm sick- All right, of that's enough. A few? Both of you. <clears throat> you focus on the case, you stay away from them. It's interesting, though, of all the parallels that are exactly the same today, are, are stem cell research that. still that controversial 20 years later? Uh, yes, but not as publicly, right? Because I think that the science has, has yielded enough benefits now, and we've seen that there hasn't been any sort of catastrophic uh, mutation human takeover. <laughs> so we don't talk about it as much. <clears throat> but uh, it's still, it's still, a, it's still, I would say, on the talking point sheet that comes out in, in yeah, some I mean, conservative it's, circles. It's still, it's still there, but I think it's much lower on the sheet than it was 20 years ago. Yes, because what we stopped doing, and I, I think I made this point before, and once again, not way too politically, but often what I think we do is that when something becomes controversial, one of the reasons that it gets uh, pumped up is because often the mainstream media will hold people with the minority viewpoint uh, and scant evidence to the same to an equal platform as uh, the actual science right which makes it seem like it's actually a fair fight and that they are of equal weight and that's not well, always the yeah. case yeah which see, is which... i see see climate change well yeah i mean certainly that's an epidemic you know but and i think the yeah, I honestly don't know enough about contemporary stem cell research to speak on it particularly well. But of you know, of course, you're dealing with the ethical issues of you know you're using byproducts from abortions or you're you're dealing with fertilized cells. You know, it gets into the you know essential question of when does life begin and blah blah blah, abortion and abortion. But um, yeah, but it's 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 funny. Like it's a thing that we heard a lot twenty yeah. years ago, and now. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I hope that the box quote for this episode that gets pulled out of context is Keith going, blah, 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 abortion, abortion. Yeah, it'll be somewhere next to blah, 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 <laughs> you know, the practice, the practice. You know, they're doing yeah, their thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You've got the wrong number. Everyone makes that mistake. I believe the number you're looking for is 557. Run a rod up your rectum. Bye. Yeah, Lucy. I don't mean to criticize too many your numbers. work. They were looking for the lawyer defending the fetus factory, Rebecca. I see. Well, as long as you don't inflame them. These Keith. people are already on fire, Rebecca. This is actually a good time to bring up a story I've never told you. And I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to tell it very quickly, which is, so around this, not this time, I, I'm a year behind, but flash forward a little bit when I actually do get to Rochester, in a year, uh, the theater the, the theater I was working at had three spaces. Forever Plaid was in one of the three spaces. That space happened to be down the block from a Planned Parenthood. I, and I, I actually know specifically that Planned Parenthood. I was walking to work one day to the show and was hit uh, by something slimy and didn't know what was happening. Uh, there was a oh. gathering, but there was often a gathering, a protest or whatnot. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, long story short, I got hit with raw meat because uh, one of the ways that which I guess uh, pro-life uh, protesters prove their point is by throwing raw meat at doctors. And uh, that I happened to get hit by that one time. It was a, I, And I thought it was pretty fucking gross. Interest. Well, that's, I mean, it's not interesting. That's horrible. Uh, but because I lived there for four years too, I I went and counter-protested the protesters at that very same Planned Parenthood. Who would have thought? I could not have been more agnostic to what was happening, walking to the performance of Forever Plaid, and yet was still <laughs> caught in the crossfire of said protest. You were... Jimmy? Yikes. You support what this laboratory is doing, Rebecca. Really? Look at our client base. How many engaging activities we support. That doesn't fly. Here, we're enabling the activity. I appreciate Jimmy's passion. I love music. I'll say that. And I'm very fond of Maxine. She knows this. She's a good person, but I just can't take it. Take what, Mr. Emerson? Big fan. The singing. Every morning, 8.15. And it's the same song. One moment in time. She bellows it. My walls practically shake. Is this really such a problem? You know, I said the same thing to myself. If then in that one moment of First. time, I can be, I can be, I can be free. Just a f okay, well, then I'm going to uh, have to do the lawsuit. Uh, that, I can't have one neighbor doing that. But while we're at it, uh, while we're stopped for an amazing concert, let's do a little quick... Uh, Neighbor doesn't like the singing. Guy who's just looking for one moment of peace. What, the, <laughs> the person looking for one moment of peace. Peace. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you know what, guys? You've listened enough. It's been it's been a while. Just go ahead and wait till next week. We'll wrap up this week. I think it's time we throw in the flag. Uh, throw in well, the towel. Look, not I the was flag. trying to say peace. <laughs> Throw in the flag, folks. <laughs> oh, man. Keith, next oh, weekend when I'm like, hey, let's do it Monday, say no. Just say, yeah. you know what? We can't do it on Monday. He always, Mike always wants to do it on Monday. Well, I was trying to say peace while I was reading Gareth Williams. Oh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's why I had a, I had a, uh, a reading comprehension lisp. Uh, but Gareth Williams, as the neighbor Patrick Emerson, you'd know from Dawson's Creek, The Shield, Mindhunter, and True Detective. Uh, the Shield, Mindhunter, True Detective, really good TV. But before we continue... I know that lawyer from somewhere! The lawyer, uh, who was the, I guess, the prosecutor in this case, sort of, is played by Phil Abrams as Randy Pete. But guess what? He was Gary Strangus in Cloud with a Cloudy with a Chance of Membranes. Uh, so you get the other one. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twice the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. At first you were a killer, but now you're set free. You just might be welcome back to the 
few minutes, what, what's the big deal? And it's not like she has a bad voice, but, well, when I bought this condo, it was mine, you know? And a person looks to realize a few dreams when he becomes a property owner. Know what I mean, Judge? I'm sure I do, but I never tire of hearing it said aloud. Well, my dream was a cup of coffee and a morning paper. A quiet cup of coffee in my very own dominion as I sit and read the sports section. I don't get this. I get one moment in time every single day. Let's let's point out how annoyed this man must be. Uh, I, I don't know that I've talked about it on the podcast before, and I'll I'll keep it very uh, a quick summary. Uh, my mom's sister sued her after my grandfather died. So this is a it is while it is a an estate lawsuit, it is still a civil lawsuit. Yeah, that shit is expensive. It is not cheap to to secure yourself a lawyer. All right with just a retainer, let alone to bring that into a courtroom. That yeah. And then to have it presided over by Kittleson means that it has made it to like a central courtroom. That shit is expensive. This ain't yeah. Judge Judy small claims court. This is like serious. She does like murder trials. Yeah. So uh, I this man really must enjoy reading Did the Did you ever ask her to stop? Yes. She said she just had to sing it and it had to be in the morning. And it had to be loud. It was her way to get ready to face her day. And I just couldn't take it anymore. So we took steps to stop it. So you don't deny you rezoned this district to purposely put the Wayne Cell Technology Institute out of business. We feel it poses a danger to the community. It represents a magnet for protests, possibly violent protests, even religious terrorism. Because their research involves This man with a southern accent for some reason in Boston is Chris Ellis from Armageddon, The Island, Transformers, Apollo 13, and Wag the Dog. Yes. Abortion clinics have been attacked and similarly rezoned because of safety concerns. We did the same thing. So this is all about safety. Yes. Protecting lives. Yes. Protecting human life. I know where you're going and that wasn't it. You're a member of the Republican Party, Mr. Blaine. Objection. This doesn't concern politics. Oh, it doesn't? The issue before this court is whether the zoning board acted capriciously. I agree. The objection is sustained. You say, sir, the Wayne Cell Technology Institute might be a magnet for violent protests because of the type of research it does. Correct. Has it ever been targeted, to your knowledge? No. Are we supposed to wait till it happens? Ever received any threats? I don't know where you've lived the last year, Mr. Young, but things can blow up absent a threat these days. So we should just start zoning out any possible target of violence. Is that your position, sir? Our position is we should zone out this particular facility. And it is located in the same district as Mass General Hospital, is it not? Yes. Is it your feeling, sir, that if Mass General began a program on stem cell research, that you'd zone it out of business? No, that is not my feeling. But why not? Mass General is a world-renowned hospital. It could become a high-profile magnet for protest. I believe that people would weigh all the public good Mass General does against the controversy of the research and find it to be a redeeming facility. Ah, and you don't think my client's institute serves the public good? No, we don't. Thank you, Mr. Blaine. 
Well, there you go. Good job, Eugene. You want me to testify? Well, here's the thing. Right now, it doesn't seem like a hardship for you not to be able to sing this song. Yes, it is. Let me finish. Which means, for us to win, we need you to impress the judge with why it's so important to you. It's how I start my day. Yes, we have to make a strong case as to why you need it to start your day. I can't make that showing, Maxine. It's why I hired you. No lawyer is going to be able to convince a judge that a person needs to kick off her morning with one fine day. One moment in time. I need you to speak from your heart. Can you do that? Jesus gave me a big heart. Yes, and I want you to use it, just like you do your diaphragm. Tell that judge. Make us all feel it. Can you do that, Maxine? There, there you go, Lindsay. Yes, I can. I will. Good. You still here? Something's on your mind. Yeah. I, I, we didn't. We didn't really. We weren't talking about the show much earlier, Keith. <laughs> we. I did want to bring up. You know how we used to have a problem with kind of Eleanor bickering with um, whoever, <laughs> Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Right. I feel that way now in this episode with. Eugene and Jimmy, because I thought we squashed our beef. Like, I, we can quarrel and we can have disagreements, but I don't like that Eugene's being so, like, antagonistic, which just so dismissive of Jimmy. It pisses me off. It no, I, I agree. Well, and that's, and that's what I felt like their bickering wasn't justified. You know, the argument that they had, that, that you know, like, Jimmy arguing with Eleanor, like, that felt like they had a, they had something that they were arguing about. Whereas this this Jimmy Eugene thing just felt weird and bickery. Uh, although now having looked ahead, the Catholic argument is going to play uh, a role moving forward. So okay. uh, I, I I can't. I don't weigh know in whether I'm your yet. best friend anymore, Eugene. But you're still pretty much mine, and I'm pretty much on it. I'm Catholic, Eugene. And your anti-Catholic remarks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not anti-Catholic, Bobby. I am angry at the Catholic Church. I think the church should go the way of Enron. But I assure you, I am not anti-Catholic. Look, I'm a Christian man. To tell you the truth, I don't know the difference between my Protestant denomination and Catholicism other than our hymns have a little more pep. Are you a Christian? Really? Now I feel a judgment, and I don't like it. Eugene, I'm not a hugely religious guy. But I do believe in God. I believe man has a soul. You think I don't? Maybe in theory. But what you live by, you believe in the law. And you know what? It happens to most criminal defense attorneys. What happens? We free killers for a living. Rapists, people who sometimes go on to rape and kill others. And the only way we, we live with ourselves is to treat the law like a religion. That's what you do. And over time, it's making you angry. Some would refute that argument by saying that Bobby has shown in the past, vis-a-vis... Mm, uh, leaving a dead baby on the church steps 
Mm. Some would argue that that is using religion to to uh, supersede what he should do legally. Yeah, and uh, when it comes down to who's angrier, I think a pretty good argument can be made for Bobby, you know, uh, murdering and throwing people out windows. Bobby McRambo, uh, McBobby. I think what Keith and I are saying is that this argument and this scene uh, feel... Don't quite I get think it. You got this void. Really? You're wrong. And I have a case I need to work on. Okay, look, I'm not in here to say go get born again. But out of respect for me and Jimmy, lay off the anti Catholic rhetoric. That's fair. Or let's keep. Let's keep it agnostic up in this piece. Yeah, or let's let's keep the discourse. Yes. Yeah. First, my doctor tells me I got low self-esteem on account of being obese. Then he says I'm depressed. He prescribed Prozac, then Zoloft, then some bullet-sized fat pills I can't even pronounce. None of it worked. I got up every day and I felt the same. Which was? Like a donut. This big wad of soft dough with a giant hole in the middle. I could barely get out of bed. And I dragged my overweight, over-medicated fat self to work, and I'd stink at my job, which made me more depressed, which made me eat more, which made me more fat, which made me stink more. Until I found the song. The song. One moment in time. Whitney Houston, the woman has heart, and hers would speak to mine through that song. And I so loved to sing. I tried it, and you know what? It worked. The melody, the lyrics, whatever. I just puffed myself up with inspiration and hope, and I charge off to work and you know what else I got good at what I do I no longer stink I'm no longer depressed still fat Maxine do you have to sing it in the morning yes before I start my day I, I'm not trying to upset Mr. Emerson he knows I like him and I promise you I need to do it I swear Thank you, Maxine. That was good. Could you sing it for us now? What? The word booming has been used to describe it, but Mr. Emerson tells me one cannot fully appreciate the quaking nature of your performance unless <laughs> one actually experiences it. Your Honor, I object. Why? We're all sitting here wondering what the big deal is. Why don't we just listen for ourselves? And try to drink a cup of coffee, I dare you. Thank you, Mr. Emerson. I need my boombox. I don't sing a cappella. Okay, you can get your accompaniment and come back. But, Miss Ship, you will be under oath as you sing, which means to be truthful, you must sing at the same volume you do every morning. Oh, don't worry, Your Honor. I only know one way to sing it. For those Very of you well. not watching the episode... We'll adjourn until 11 o'clock.
and uh, only appreciating Holland Taylor via her voice, it should be noted that there's the subtlest enjoyment in her performance right now. As if oh, this she's type having of, a blast. This type of shenanigan is precisely what Kittleson loves. And so there's a glee that isn't over the top, but is is worth noting. Mm-hmm. At which point we'll hear your rendition of One Moment in Time. It's a great, it's a banger, by the way. I love this song. We do not consider ourselves a security risk. Why not? We do not maintain a high profile. Now, Keith, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. I believe One Moment in Time was a single that she recorded for the 2002 Olymp- Summer Olympic Games. That sounds right. Yeah, cross-check me here. Okay, all right, hold on. We're being the better podcast! Yes, In okay, hold on, here we go. This was... Uh, I'm I'm about to get to the official video of one moment in time, but my uh, but YouTube is fighting with my ad blocker, mm. as it frequently does. Far a heartbeat away. Yeah, it's definitely for the Olympics. I don't. I didn't see exactly. Oh no, it's 1989. Oh, so it, it wasn't 2000. Much earlier, it, okay. It was much I, earlier. It's probably the 88 Olympics. Yes, 1988. Okay, well, that's topical. If you drove by our building, you might not even know it's a biomedical research facility. And to date, we have never faced so much as a picket line. So the idea that we're a magnet for protest is totally unfounded. Okay. Doctor, you heard Mr. Blaine talking about serving the public good? I was offended by that testimony. Why? Our research is designed to save lives. There is no other motive. We're not like a pharmaceutical company who develops a life-saving drug which just so happens to bring in a billion dollars in revenue. None of us are getting rich here. None of us dream or hope to. Our goal, the only goal, is to protect human life against disease along with treatments for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, heart disease. We're talking about treating leading causes of death in this country and around the world. But doctor, you know the concern. Today, stem cell, tomorrow cloning. We do not clone. We never will. Not sure how that has any relevance. And I take additional offense at the implication that we're a bunch of mad scientists running around with Petri dishes. You certainly seem indignant, doctor. When religion raises its ugly head to squash medical progress, I get indignant. You consider religion to have an ugly head? I'm a man of faith, and I do believe in religion. But yes, I'm coming to the opinion that the head is often the ugly part. Your lawyer thinks this is all politics. You think it's religion. Do you allow any room for the possibility that your facility might be a target of violence? Any? I consider such possibility negligible. It certainly doesn't warrant shutting our doors. Because you're in the business of saving human life. Tell me, doctor, when do you believe human life begins? According to the law. No, also, I, I'm not talking about the legal definition. See, I'm here's the you thing. As a person of medical science, when does human life begin? Your, when an this entire thing is predicated being, on the threat of violence, which they are punishing the victim of the violence 
for the threat of the violence, as opposed to how can we protect this facility from the prospect of violence? They're like, let's shut them down so nobody hurts them. Like, it's it's so backwards. I'm not talking about the beginning of a human being, doctor, and you know what I'm asking you is not a complex question, so I'll ask it one more time. From a medical science perspective, when does human life begin? In its organism form upon conception. When an egg is fertilized and an embryo forms, correct? Yes. And your facility uses embryos in its research, correct, doctor? Yes. Human embryos? Yes. Doctor, where do these embryos come from? Where do these embryos come from? Many are discarded from fertility clinics. Many? All? No. Where do the others come from? We harvest them. You harvest them. You take an egg, fertilize it, create an embryo, and then destroy it for your research. Right, doctor? Yes. You create human life in order to destroy it. We create the embryos to treat diseases which are destroying human yes, life. Yes, that's your take on it. Certainly you're aware, doctor, when it comes to stem cell research, this is the public's worst nightmare, that the scientists will one day go from taking discarded embryos from fertility clinics to harvesting embryos themselves. That's the stated fear on every talk show, isn't it, doctor? That day has already arrived, not only at our doctor, facility. Doctor, I really need you to answer the questions I ask. You're doing in your lab the very thing the public fears most. I don't know what the public fears most. I would think they'd fear sickness and death. You go to great lengths to keep your research quiet so the public doesn't find out you're harvesting embryos, don't you, doctor? We keep all our research quiet. So is it your testimony should the public find out what you're doing? You couldn't possibly become a target for violent protest? Why don't we see? Give the public the benefit of the doubt before you shut us down. You've been keeping this secret because you believe in giving the public the benefit of the doubt. Why didn't you tell us you were harvesting embryos? I wasn't really at liberty to. We all signed confidentiality agreements. Don't feed me that! Look, what we're doing is not illegal. It's going on elsewhere, like I said, and in the near future, it will be going on at Mass General and every major That's research... That's not the point. You were playing hide the ball with the wrong judge. Somebody inside must have whistled. I don't know how it got out. Well, like you said, it's out now. May I make a suggestion? If this is why they're rezoning you, maybe a deal can be struck. If you agree to stop harvesting and only use discarded embryos, maybe they'll drop the ordinance. We can't. We don't get enough embryos from the clinics we need to harvest. Is it worth risking being shut down? If we can't harvest, you might as well shut us down. We need to win this, Eugene. Yeah, well, you just made that a lot tougher. It's complicated. I'd like to point out uh, that both Robert Picardo and Jelko Ivanic were classmates at Yale in the... Uh, uh, Bob Picardo was pre-med and then moved into acting. And uh, I don't know I don't know if they overlapped exactly, but they were within a few years of each other at Yale. So, and, well, you know, while we're stopped, because we're about to get the musical performance, I'd like to confirm two things. One, that Ally McBeal did just end. 
And uh, we're about to see the most Ally McBeal moment of the practice uh, in quite some time. And uh, that Carol Woods, the performer, has nine Broadway musicals to her credit, uh, including many stints as Mama Matron in Chicago, the musical. My cat is destroying the office right now. <laughs> He's like, feed I me. Live. I want to be a day to give the best of me. I'm only one. I never said she wasn't good. She isn't exactly quaking. We haven't got there yet. Is yet unknown. I want one moment in time. When I'm more than I thought I could be When all of my dreams are a heartbeat away And the answers are all up to me Give me one moment in time When I'm racing with destiny We're gonna modulate, baby. I can feel it. I will oh, feel, hell yeah, we are. I will feel eternity. You're a winner for a lifetime. If you seize that one moment <laughs> in time, make it shine. There it is. He's like, what in that one moment of time, I will be. There's I people will crowding be, around outside the courtroom. Island McBeal's no longer on the air, it's folks. It's still a state imposing its morality on a private facility. It's wrong, and we should win. Fox is conservative, but she's a fair judge. Let's hope. How's it going? Fine. You need anything? I heard what happened in court. They're harvesting? Yep. What's next? I'll get up and argue the law like it's a religion. It's who I am. All right, Eugene. Look, I need to prepare. So I don't give it... a damn. I came to you in the spirit of friendship. Telling I... me I had no center? I never said that. I got and... the point, Bobby. I'm a man without a soul. You know what, Eugene? You want to make me the enemy? Fine. No, no, I... no, no. The enemy is thyself. Isn't that what the Bible says? I take it all back. I was wrong. I thought you were angry. Clearly, you're not. I thought the law was your ideology, but I can see now you're a spiritual guy. Forgive me for trying to step between you and your profound sense of contentment. This, of course, is Carol on Broadway as Chicago. Hmm. 
which it should be stated is is uh, ostensibly the sentiment of that performance is what Bobby just delivered to Eugene. <laughs> Also, I wonder how much she had to, like, pull it back for the practice. Oh, yeah. Like, pretend she wasn't as professional it as she is. It was a splendid performance. To hear it once, fabulous. But day after day after day after day, as Mr. Emerson stated, part of owning a home, perhaps the very essence of it, is your quiet enjoyment of it. To be able to sip a cup of coffee in peace. Not all the time, of course. Disturbances are part of life. But Mr. Emerson shouldn't be forced to endure a daily dose of what we heard in this courtroom. People do have a right to peace and quiet. What you got, Lindsay? First close. Peace and New quiet firm. are overrated. I've just left my firm to start my own practice, ostensibly to find peace and quiet, but I've discovered what I've really been yearning for is a sense of being connected with people, friends, loved ones. Of going back to work, literally days I've after being released from prison. I've gotten to know Maxie's ship a little. I like her, and I just think there's too much peace and quiet going on. People building fences, gates, getting bigger yards, going around with Walkmans and iPods, wearing headphones, shutting out the world in Ooh, search of privacy, seclusion, peace and quiet, growing more isolated, if not lonely. We're all so disconnected, you know? Yeah, man. I think, I think we need to start letting our neighbors' voices come through our walls more. odd close, but I'm not sure, you know, what else she could say. I mean, it sort of is what it is, right? The reason they kept this research secret Cross-cut. Cross-close. Is because they knew the incendiary reaction it would cause. The most volatile issue in this country is abortion. It has been for 25 years, and stem cell research triggers the same emotions, compounded by the fears and condemnation of runaway medical science where high-tech tissue plants start to harvest cells, organs, and body parts, there is every reason to fear protest, violence. And accordingly, there is nothing arbitrary about the decision to rezone this district in the interest of public safety. That's the legal argument, Your Honor. But if I may, Mr. Blaine also raised the issue of public good. And the notion that that is something the zoning board should be concerned with was basically scoffed at by Mr. Young. Well, I don't scoff at it. Our public officials are trustees. And public welfare must always be a vital and relevant concern. By passing this ordinance, the zoning board is reaffirming a sanctity to human life. Human life begins at the embryo stage, regardless of one's position on abortion or when an unborn should have rights. When it becomes a person, there is no medical or political dispute that human life in its organism stage begins upon conception. And I submit it is one thing to balance the sanctity of that life against the interests of the mother and pro-choice. It is quite another 
or an entity, public or private, to create human life for the purpose of destroying it. To say that's acceptable is to assert that human life itself has no intrinsic value, that it's not sacred. And once society accepts that premise, God, I don't understand why he was allowed to argue this. It's I'm sure irrelevant Mr. Young to the case. Was hoping I'd say the word God because he no doubt wants to lay this argument off on religious dogma. Because in a court of law, the words God, religion, they're ugly words, aren't they? But the reality is, if one truly wants to find dogma in this society, it's in the idea that religion and God have no place in our secular lives. We are much more dogmatic in our commitment to the separation of church and state than we are towards any faith. Mr. Davies, you're getting off track. I don't believe I am, Your Honor. We are a nation, a people, a government that profoundly believes in the sanctity of human life. Defense should neither negate nor invalidate that belief simply because it might be rooted in faith or a commitment to God. What they're doing in these test tubes and petri dishes is an atrocity. It's a violation against humanity. And he's humanity. going for it. He's got to go for it. And a decision to put a I stop guess. to it. It's a little heavy-handed. Is anything but capricious. Two uh, interesting diametrically, oppo diametrically opposed closes there. Lindsay kind of underdid it, but she didn't really have much to go with, and he sort of overdid it. If yep. a commission chooses to shut down a research lab because people may protest, that's arbitrary. If you decide to close the doors on medical progress that could save lives because of the possibility of public outrage, that's capricious. There's been no violence here, no threats, no indication of the danger the zoning board says it's worried about. And the action by that board had nothing to do with the risk to public safety. And it's in bad faith for them to even offer that as a pretext. This is government shutting the door on an idea. We all know it. Mr. Davies knows you know it, Your Honor, which is why he spent the majority of his closing not on the merits, but on religion, life's sanctity. It's irrelevant. The sanctity of life is irrelevant to you, counsel? Your in Honor, this case it is. Since a year ago, every one of us has become a lot more in touch with the sanctity of human life. Nobody is more committed to that sanctity than my clients. They do what they do to fight off diseases that are killing us, and they don't need to be told what is sacred by a city zoning board. There is nothing remotely democratic about this abatement proceeding, and if the petitioner is concerned about outrage, the reason abortion and the question of when does human life begin, the reason this issue remains as combustible as it does today, we the people never got to decide it. Hmm. It was done by fiat, by nine people sitting on a bench, nine people nobody elected. Nobody voted for Justice Blackman. Nobody dropped a ballot in the box and checked off the name of John Paul Stevens. Now you're getting off track. No, I am not. Our most basic human value was dictated to us by a court, and Congress can't change it, a president can't change it, the people can't change it. We're bound. 
with no democratic recourse to even address it because the Supreme Court says, let no electoral process tear asunder. That's why the public is still angry 30 years later, and that's why it remains this country's civil war. I believe in God, Your Honor, as I do in the sanctity of human life. But one sanctity of democracy is that we, the people, enjoy religious and political freedom and the liberty to decide for ourselves what is sacred. Here we are today, with a city zoning board running to a court to impose its own idea of intrinsic human value. Let the protest begin. Yeah, Eugene. Yeah, Eugene. That was a hell of a... Eugene. Finally, it's been a while since we've seen him really go at it, and I love it. I'm here, I am here for Eugene going at it. Be seated. All right, well, it's time for uh, the chickens to, be to roost. Honest. I wouldn't be thrilled to hear that Sousa-sized voice every morning. But Mr. Emerson, when I was buying my house, I asked my real estate broker about privacy, and she said, oh, this is a quiet neighborhood. You won't have to worry about your neighbors getting all chummy or throwing block parties. People here like to keep to themselves. She said that as a selling point, something to drive the price higher. It's a sad day when people go to court to stop their neighbors from singing. Your motion for a TRO is denied. I'm entering judgment for the defendant. Oh, thank you. We're adjourned. Oh, man, thank you so much. <laughs> Congratulations. I just had such a... F That'll be $10,000. Well, and that this is the point where we realize that him just paying for some soundproofing would be a hell of a lot cheaper than, uh, and it, she seems like a reasonable person. She'd be perfectly happy to do it. Be a lot cheaper than the $10,000 in Lords or 20000 they all paid you together. You gotta imagine Lindsay's retainers like seven to 10 grand too. Yeah. Oh, at least. Yeah. So $20,000 buys you a lot of soundproofing. So uh, I guess maybe she, well, Cause she had to pay for a lawyer too, this lady. Yeah. Feeling yeah, she about sure did. you. I loved it. It was so much fun practicing again. Had a good Way more fun the than judge murdering. said she'd rule by the end of the day. We finally gave up and came back. Eugene was very good. The clerk's office just called. Judge Fox denied the injunction. She did? We won? That's incredible. Eugene! Eleanor. Suck it, Jimmy. Let me tell him, okay? Sure. I want to do it in this weird confrontational way. I brought you a hoagie hot dog sandwich. Clerk's so. office just called. You won. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Congratulations. The girls said you gave quite a closing. The girls. I don't know. I guess I spoke from my center. 
You misunderstood me, Eugene. I consider you a man of such heart and humanity. But you're going to burn in hell. That's why I worry about you. Bring your marshmallows. Anyway, congratulations. Bobby, you know the closing the girls like so much? The girls. I got up and argued the law. Why the fuck are they referring like to them as girls? Yeah. Because they're dainty, Keith. And there you sit. The winner. I do not understand what's happening. Like what what is the point that Kelly is trying to make here? I don't I don't understand. It's it, it's you're, some you're an it, you're a heathen. Heathen some arbitrary and strange religious judgment. Well, do you want to hear an agnostic and an atheist discuss Eugene's moral religious center? You can mm. do that by listening to our after show show. After show show right now. And we are back. Baby. Back, back, back. Wow, we have just watched The Practice Season 7, Episode 5, Something About Neighbors. Uh, now, I don't remember what happened, Mike. Is there is there any way that you could, uh, you know, tell me what happened in uh, 30 seconds? Mm, two, three, four. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment! Segment! Segment. Yo! Dead babies are pissed, man. Uh, cause they're stem cell research and they're harvesting and they're like throwing meat and Eugene's gotta talk about why they shouldn't shut them down because people might protest. On the other hand, Lindsay's got this lady who's singing a Whitney Whitney uh, Houston jam and Kittleson's like, it's cool. No sweat, it's okay, that's legal. And on the other hand, guess what? You can't just shut down the stem cells. <laughs> You know, I, I really respect you respecting when the clock hits zero. You know, the 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 recap might end in a comma, but we are ending <laughs> at zero. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, could you do that again? You know, uh, but faster in a segment we call. Stem cell research trial. One moment of Lindsay's time. Two wins, despite sins. Oh, yeah. How yeah. do I get out of this? How, how do I get out <laughs> of this podcast or the segment uh, or your life in general? I can't. I literally cannot find the button to escape this. Well, we're going to do the rest of the show with Mike in a little bubble Why of his can't own I head. Get out of high coopsie. His own head in a bubble in his own head. Oh, there we uh, go. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right. Well, it is time 
to hand out some very important fake awards in a segment we call... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake award show that begins every week with... Take nice. that, Whitney Houston. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they are just leaf blown right outside. Hopefully, the gate kicks in. Um, you know, there are two consequential con- consequentials consequential victories this week. One being Lindsay, and one being Eugene. The stakes seem to be wildly different, but I guess that depends on who you ask. Uh, The win this week for Eugene, interestingly, I think throws the firm into more, some relationships into more turmoil, whereas the the win for Lindsay this week really affects two people's lives pretty, pretty profoundly. Lindsay's, Lindsay's mental state, Lindsay's continuing professional, uh, trajectory and her clients sort of outlook on life and uh but there are huge consequences regarding precedent i think in the eugene win uh moving forward and because of the most a lawyer's uh, first as we've learned here or eugene would say His first commitment is to the law, and so because of the legal ramifications, I have to award most valuable lawyer to Eugene Young. Yeah, no, I I mean, Lindsay's case, uh, she won the case, but she didn't really win it herself. It was basically just Kittleson's personal feelings that made that case be the way it was. And I thought Eugene gave an amazing closing. And, you know, it was a weird case that is a very TV case where you have this issue that's a proxy for a bigger debate, which would never, the bigger debate would never be a part of that in courtroom. It would literally be about the jurisdiction of a zoning board, regardless of the reasons for it. So it was very much like a TV case, but I thought Eugene argued the TV case exceptionally well. So uh, I agree with you. It is Eugene who wins the MVL. Which brings us to our best double time dance in the segment we call Already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck First entry on your IMDB Way to go But you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode Listen I want to give this, as I always do, and she does earn it in many respects to Holland Taylor for her portrayal of Kittleson. I loved 
Kittleson mm-hmm. in this episode. I thought it was such a refreshing, uh, lighter take for her, as well as it's even better if you have br- bring in all of your experience knowing Kittleson and all the, the 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 hijinks she's been up to. Right. However, Keith, I think we can both attest that one thing that is more difficult than singing on stage in front of a bunch of people is trying to sing in front of a studio of uh, film people probably 20 times with bad mm-hmm. audio and yeah. uh, and and making it both be incredible but also feel in real time. Plus, you could tell by the mix that that uh, accompaniment was mixed in later and the whole thing, it could oh, yeah, go... Oh, she probably did it a cappella because interference with the audio would have made yeah. it impossible. Uh, and, and that told, she also brought a joy and an exuberance and just sort of an authenticity of sort of like a love of life, a zest for life that felt um, both grounded and also a little bit extra. And uh, and I think that that's worth awarding. So uh, my oopsie goes to... Carol Woods. Yes. Yes, well, and and uh, and I will say that... Uh, that uh, Holland Taylor's nonverbal acting in this show was really good. You're not going to hear it on the uh, on listening to it, but since Hulu have, has taken Holland Taylor from you, uh, you have no choice. But she did some amazing nonverbal acting. And how much it pains me to not give the oopsie to Bob Picardo. Oh, yeah. I mean, what the hell? I mean, he doesn't really do a lot at all in this episode. To be honest, I, I was disappointed he didn't have more to do. I mean, he did a really excellent job, but in sort of a the uh, standard role as opposed to the showy guest star role that, uh, you know, Bob Picardo deserves. So, uh, interestingly, this will be the second Star Trek doctor who I have not given the oopsie to. Because I did not give it to Gates McFadden either, and mm. I feel terrible. So, uh, I apologize in advance, uh, Bob, if you, when you listen to this. Uh, but I agree with you. I think it has to go to Carol Woods, who, uh, for all the reasons that you pointed out, um, the technical difficulty of what she did, uh, she did a tremendous job, as well as the incredible difficulty of singing under those circumstances. Probably, um, I don't know if she had an in-ear monitor or something to get, to keep her on the track, keep her on the click, um, because it didn't seem like they... They overdubbed the vocals later. Anyway, the point being, she had not only had to sing well, but she also had to sing not as well as she can. She had to sound like an amateur too, which is a little bit harder when you're a phenomenal singer to dial it back. Um, you know, both from a technical standpoint and also like, I, I've got this voice. I'm going to be on. More people are going to see me sing this than anything I do for the whole rest of my life, and I'm not going to give it everything I have. It's a definitely a tough little. Uh, razor's edge she had to walk so congratulations carol woods on your best guest oopsie now it is time for you killed your podiatrist or blew the case but you let a single tear run down your face you're the best actor on the show So, uh, first let me get Dylan out of the way. Dylan McDermott does, is really great and passionate in this episode. I just, 
it's so written weirdly. Like it's the the motivation yeah. for it is so strange that it's hard to overcome that kind of a gulf. I, 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 but I wanted to shout out he's doing Yeoman's work. I thought uh, Michael Badalucco is excellent in this episode. Everybody's great. I really enjoyed Kelly Williams here. It's such a such a nice beat change to see her sort of relaxed, refreshed, and and fulfilled emotionally, and she portrays that really nicely. He, but I'm going to go with Steve Harris here. I really feel like he, on the opposite end of, of, of Dylan's, uh, I thought that he had an opportunity to face criticism, react to that criticism, and then not overplay that hand. But then you could see in his clothes... That close, which was, as we both agreed, a really great close, legally, well-written, well-performed, but he also was able to infuse that closing performance as also a response to the personal, quote-unquote, personal attack that he received from Bobby. So it had to carry a sort of double weight, a double meaning, and you could easily have, a lesser actor could easily have just read the script and done a great close, but he was able to kind of to close two arcs via that close in the episode, mm-hmm. which which I think ultimately uh, does some does some heavy lifting for the episode to uh, circle, to close an arc that might have been, that already feels a little unearned, but he was able to kind of give it a little bit uh, of a, of a to, he was able to stick the landing even though it was a, it was a rocky approach. Yeah, I, I I actually thought Steve's whole uh, whole story here. I wasn't. I didn't understand what Bobby was trying to say, but I thought Steve made a lot of sense to me, and I thought um, there, uh, the Eugene's character did, um, and so I thought it was some terrific work from Steve Harris. Um, I think it's his episode. I think he um, was asked to shoulder a lot of weight um, when. David made this a whole proxy case and uh, he crushed it. So uh, Steve Harris, really happy to see you back shining in an episode. I felt like season six, we didn't get nearly as much Steve Harris as I would like. Uh, So happy to have him back. This is awesome. You know who, uh, who I feel like we we get too much of Uh, who just won't go away like a, uh, like an annoyingly successful stain on our culture. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Well, Keith, uh, you'll recall, uh, that I'm trying to just make you have to do all of the crazy things this year, this season. Uh, well, I did it. I, br- I brought it on myself by making everything be shark related. So now, like, I've made it's a miserably difficult experience because, like, Mike's not like not not just like, oh, it's going to be shark related. Why don't you have to Photoshop fifteen sharks, not one shark, do a whole menagerie of shark problems? Now, Keith, you're when you inevitably are searching for the base image of this Photoshop. I want mm-hmm. you to remember the. Uh, contraption from Jurassic Park One, the original, where okay. the, the guy playing Newman has the the dinosaur embryos all in that little contraption. Okay. Uh huh. Sure. So just sure. remember that when you remember that okay. the winner for this week's Tom Brady War for being Tom Brady is uh, 
a bunch of Tom Brady embryos being hunted by sharks. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. Uh, I I I have to I have to somehow type embryos. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tom Brady Award is goes to a bunch of Tom Brady embryos being hunted by sharks. All right, folks. There's only one more thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. I'm going to be honest with you, I talked a lot through the first uh, beginning of the episode, and my cat was breaking things, and uh, it took me a while to really get up to speed, but I'll start here. On its surface, this is two very good cases, okay? I like that they're, one is, and I think this is done purposefully, one has incredibly high stakes, and one has arguably very low stakes, yet are both very important to the firm and to various members of the cast. I loved... The almost the entirety of the Lindsay storyline here. I loved what it did for the character of Lindsay. Thank God she got a moment to breathe this episode. And we get to see a possible future for her where she's doing what fulfills her and what makes her happy. Like you mentioned, there isn't much for her to do here as far as being a lawyer, but what it did for her sort of soul, if you will, uh, is wonderful, and that it was refreshing to kind of her get a break, and it led to a, a wonderful performance that could have been extraordinarily campy, which was not, um, by our Oopsie Award winner, and a, just a great turn from Kittleson. Really, Chef's kiss for a B case here for a B story. All right, that is precisely what I want from my B stories, juxtaposed with a really weighty. Uh, moral, uh, ethical quandary of an A case, which David E. Kelly loves to do and we love to dissect. I wish it had been argued more on the merits in court and less with personal drama in the office. Uh, To be honest with you, and it sounds like you're on the same boat, I don't quite understand where Bobby's coming from. I didn't think anything Eugene did or said was particularly anti-Catholic or anti... I mean, maybe the way he was sort of biting Jimmy's head off when Jimmy raised some objections. Okay. But I don't know that that warranted the sort of uh, stump speech that Bobby brought to him. It's fine to be concerned, but I thought that Eugene did what we got hired to do, which was like, try the case on its legal merits and win. So that, uh, it felt a little, uh, it's one of those things where sometimes David E. Kelly tries to be ambiguous and leave us to have the conversation. And sometimes he really has a fine point to put on it. And here it felt like he was going for the latter, but I'm not sure what the point is. Like, he is he trying to just show us slippery slope? Ethical slippery slope here, I don't know. And I'd love to get your take on that. I need to kind of chew it a little bit more. But ultimately, the the blueprint for this episode is what I want to see from from my sort of general episodes, right? I want to see a great A case with some with a great like ethical question or a interesting question. And juxtaposed with like maybe a lighter, some lighter fare that does some character work. And we got a lot of that. And I want to respect that. Um, 
and there's no big twisty twist, which I'm we don't need all the time, which we've talked about. And so I like that we're settling in here. This feels like we did our sprint coming out of the gate for the race, and now we're kind of finding our pace. And I'm cool with that for where it's where it lives in the season arc or the season. I like it. Like you said, we've been feeling like this season is finding its footing, and this is like I like this is where I want to sit. So maybe I'm I'm letting some of my nits off the hook a little bit too much and I'll let you pick them a little bit more, but I feel this is a solid episode and I'm going 7.85 spare tires. 7.85. Yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, I've, I've been debating this episode back and forth in my head a lot. Um, because it has all the elements that I really like that is addressing a controversial topic, you know, arguing both sides of it well. Um, I, I, I really like that. Um, there's, we're, we're 100% serial killer free. Yeah. Which is like, I, I think uh, we're going to have to get a sign that says, you know, we have gone this many episodes without a serial killer, <laughs> like, you know, with accidents. Uh, so that's good. The, uh, the the weight of the A case is sort of balanced by the lack of weight of the B case. I liked all of that. I mean, the having your sing in the courtroom was a little schlocky. Like I get it; it's a moment. Uh, it, but it felt very TV. Um, okay. It, it felt like we stepped out of the real world a little bit. Um, in the same way that the um, how the A case was debated also felt that way. It felt like I became very aware that it was a TV show in this episode. Um, Obviously when it becomes a musical, I get pretty aware of it being a TV show and I love musicals. Don't get me wrong, but also like allowing the proxy debate to take place within the courtroom, which would never happen. um, Also was very like, Oh, we're watching a TV show and we're doing a thing. And uh, I get it. Um, And, you know, we've talked about this before, and it's a recurring theme. David E. Kelly's ambiguous moral axe to grind about lawyers lawyering that never really gets explained or articulated well. But there's so many scenes of lawyers judging other lawyers for being lawyers. And lawyering well. And the only analogy I can think of is it's sort of like us judging Tom Brady for footballing too much and footballing too well. It's mm-hmm. like it's like Tom Brady, fuck that guy. He tries to win at football too much and he does it for too long. It is like, yeah, of course, Tom Brady is a terrible person and deserves everything we can throw at him. But let's face it. He's doing his job. His job is to uh, be obsessed with winning at football and then do that. And it's weird to be like, you know, fuck that guy. He's a, you know, like to be morally judgy of somebody trying to win at football whose job is to win at football. So I still don't know what David is trying to say. And he's been saying it since season one. So uh, I, I, it's almost like he's got this weird thing in his head you know about his own relationship with being a lawyer 
Um, you know, and I get it. There are plenty of actors out there who hate themselves because they're actors and hate the business that they're in that they've devoted their life to. Like, it, it's, it's like, I get it. But uh, it's never quite articulated in a way that I understand. So all in all, all of these elements, which I liked, added up to like a, okay. Meh. I, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. It has a lot of good elements. But like, would I go back and watch this one? Eh. So uh, for that, you get a 7.76 spare tires. Good. But not, you know, eh, it's all right. Uh, so folks, uh, there's only one thing to do before we play our little outro. And, uh, you know, Mike tells us, Oh, what's up, DD? He's so hungry. He just will not leave me alone. Um, you got to feed that cat, sir. Yeah. I mean, look at him. He's right there. He was in the episode. He didn't do a lot. So we'll uh, make sure that we roll something here. Maybe I'll even roll some when he appeared on our other show, Keith, to cross promote, if you will. Oh. Uh, do you remember what episode that would have been? Because I'm going to have to go back and find it. It would have been Voyager Series 1. But, you know, if it, what you really should do is take a clip of him singing from Voyager. Uh, mm. Because this is a musical episode. Yeah, for... I really should do that. That's what I should do. Is you it what I did? You should do that. Because if you don't, it kind of makes you the worst podcaster, doesn't it? No. Uh, I think that one bumper shows that I'm the worst podcaster. Uh, <laughs> but Keith, I believe that does take us to the Into end. Into the outro music. Now, if you would like to complain about Mike's Easter eggs, which are usually pieces of excellence that he really shows up for, the type of excellence that would involve pulling a clip from Star Trek Voyager... You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're there, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting service of your choice. Join the jury. You know, it's fun. We just say this for to make noise now. But you want to know who makes noise in our hearts? It is our founding sponsors, Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know you can get your name on that list someday uh, by clicking one of the two show notes and you will get brought to an opportunity to leave a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. I'll also link to something I was talking about earlier that I've now long forgotten. So maybe I, I won't. <laughs> oh, that's it very that. likely to show up in the notes. Uh, folks, you can also let a friend know to check out our YouTube channel. Give a like and subscribe. Smash that notification bell. And while you're at it, why don't you harvest some of Keith and I's stem cells? And I mean audio stem cells. Uh, at the end of the day, you can do that with some laser sounds. What? <laughs> what the hell am I talking about? You really lasered the ending there. <laughs> <laughs>